Welcome to Flat Church Lilongwe's Inspiring Sermon Podcast, where faith meets community. Join us on a transformative journey as we explore the word together. Stay tuned for messages that uplift and empower. Let's dive in. You can't fail us. We come before you today as a needy people, a people who cry out for the living God, a people who are thirsty for the living water. We've tried other things and we've searched other places, but Lord, you alone have the words of life. And so today, we turn our ear to what you are saying to your church. And as we go into the scripture, I pray, Lord, that we would open our hearts to your generosity, that we would open our minds to what it is that you want to share with us today. For every need that we represent, every fear, every anxiety, every worry, we lay them before you today because you alone are worthy. You alone are capable of meeting us where no one else can. Lord, I pray blessing over your word this morning, and I pray that you would just continue to do mighty things in our presence. You never fail. You never fail. In Jesus' name, amen. Please remain standing as we turn to the scripture this morning, which is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Remember this, whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. Please have your seats this morning. You are most welcome here at Flood Church. My name is Renata. I'm part of the teaching team here at Flood. I am married. We have five children. I am originally from Canada and uh, been in Malawi since 2014 with our family. And I go to the best growth group ever. They did tell me to say that, so now I've said it. It's been said. Uh, If you have not yet joined a growth group, you must do that today. 
It's free 99, and you can sign up at the connection desk at the back. So one of the parts of being a community with growth groups and with our fellowship here at Flood Church is that we're, we're also about being present in the city, about being present where God has placed us here in the city. And as a community, sometimes we have the temptation of isolating ourselves or of building walls between ourselves and others. But God has called us to a life of generosity. That means we're living a life of reconciliation. It means being part of needs that people are facing. And we do this with generosity because we have been treated generously. God has shown us the absolute most generosity. And because of us receiving that and being shown that, we are then able to extend that to others. And we do this with intention because God has been intentional with us. And we do it with trust. Trust that what he has given us will continue to meet our needs no matter how much of it we give away. I know there are some skeptical faces. Oh, no, she's going to preach on tithing. No, she is not. But as a community of faith, we are here to give. As a community of faith that has received generosity, so we extend generosity. One of the main things that defines you and I as followers of Christ is generosity. The way that we give, the way we extend, the way we open our hearts, our lives, our homes, our wallets, our vehicles, anything towards people who might have a need. And I just I want to qualify this characteristic of generosity, that this type of generosity that the Bible is speaking about, specifically in this passage, relates to those to whom you can give and you don't receive anything back, okay? I can give my child food and then they're happy and in a good mood, right? That means I get something back. I start watching them grow. I take care of them. That need that I have as a mother to take care of them is being responded to. Same with, with other ways of giving. I can easily give someone in the next office to me like, oh, I bring these post-it notes from Canada, and it's kind of a joke that everybody likes them. So I can give those, and their thanks and appreciation come back to me, and we have a good working relationship, right? Because that means I've received something back. But to be generous, as the scripture urges and requires of us, it has more to do with the attitude with which we give than the amount or the recipient. God wants a very willing attitude from us as believers in the same way that he has had absolute love and generosity and kindness extended without measure and beyond measure to you and I. That's the approach that he wants us to give. And I, I once heard our friends in Flood San Diego say, it's not equal gift, but equal sacrifice, right? So that means maybe someone can give 10000 towards limitless transformation. Another person can give 100 and it's an equal sacrifice. It's not the same amount of money. And brothers and sisters, I need to explain to you that money is something we just use on this planet and it doesn't have the same value in heaven, okay? That's another 
sidetrack, which I won't go on today, but what I'm saying is someone who gives 10000 and someone can give 100000 it costs them the same in terms of sacrifice. But yet there might be someone who could give a million and it's no sacrifice. But what God is saying is it's about our heart, how we approach generosity. I know some of you have your arms crossed because... I just want you to be open today. Be open to what the Spirit is saying. You know, Nuru has already anointed this microphone for me. So we can just say that the Lord wants to speak and the Spirit wants to move and we just need to open ourselves into how that's going to happen. So Paul plants this church in Corinth. And, you know, in the New Testament, we have two letters. Historians say there were actually four and they had been lost. So if you're like deep into theology and study, you can read about how there were originally four letters and the proof is here, 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 and here. But basically two have been lost, but we, have, we remain with two. If the Apostle Paul has to write four letters, there's a problem, right? There's an issue. There's discipline that needs to take place. And I know that this would never happen here at Flood. But in Corinth, they had so many quarrels. They were arguing with each other over who was supposed to be the true leader. Could we really accept Paul because he's humble, he's poor, he makes his money from manual labor, and he just doesn't look very good? When actually there is someone who's more fancy, who looks better, who makes money in a better way, we can actually maybe receive that person as our leader because of how they appeal to us. And, and what Paul is trying to say here is like, okay, you're having these arguments, but the proof is in my leadership. I've been face-to-face with the risen Christ. I, I've actually planted this church. <laughs> I'm a leader here, and you should hear from the Lord through me. So that's kind of the background to Corinth. They're going, he's writing these letters, he's visiting them, and he's trying to say, look, What's happening on the outside of a person is not actually what you're concerned about. What we need to be concerned about as people who follow Christ is what's inside of a person. You know, they, they, they're hungry for this leader who's dynamic, who's socially exciting, who looks the part of a man of God. You know, gold, glitter, diamonds, fancy suits. And Paul is not here to impress the Corinthians, but rather to point them towards the one who is impressive, which is Jesus. Some of you might be here for the first time and you're visiting churches around Lilongwe. You're most welcome. We have a lot of them. And sometimes if the church is always pointing towards the pastor, the apostle, the prophet, and how this person represents the kingdom to us, rather than pointing them to Christ himself, it's a huge warning sign. Actually, even if you're not visiting for the first time, that's for you as well. Because I know that some of you are here on Sunday morning, but you have your apostle or your prophet that you're following the rest of the week. And if they're not pointing you to Christ, they're pointing you in the wrong direction. If you're more drawn to them because of what they represent, rather than who they represent, you, you have some examinations to do. That was for free. <laughs> Amen. So it, we have the paradox of the cross where Jesus, in his absolute highest moment of glory, is nailed 
to the tree between two thieves. But the Corinthians want someone who's impressive, who's glorious, who's successful. And Jesus' highest moment of glory, greatest period of success was right there on the cross of Calvary. And this is the Christ that Paul is trying to point these people toward, trying to say, look at him, look at him, follow me as I follow him. So when the Corinthians disapprove of Paul and his suffering, they disapprove of Christ as well. And for you and I, brother and sister, if we disapprove of Christians who are suffering, we are disapproving of Christ. There is no success guarantee in the Bible. There's no success guarantee for people who do ministry or follow, you know, prophets or apostles or go to Bible college or plant churches or even hold crusades or even preach on street corners. <laughs> so Paul is telling them, hey, we've got a need here. There's a big need. Our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem are suffering. There's a famine. They don't have food. And the other churches that Paul has planted have, are working together to send them a donation. But the Corinthians are busy with their arguments and their quarrels and deciding whether or not Paul is shiny enough to lead them rather than looking towards the need of someone else. The Macedonians are praised and the Galatians, the Ephesians, they have all done their part towards this effort. And the Corinthians are failing to organize themselves because of the quarreling. Sometimes we have very minor issues that distract you and I from what the call of God is actually telling us to do. Sometimes we focus on these things that matter absolutely not rather than doing what God has asked us to do, going where he's called us to go, serving where he's called us to serve. And I want to tell you the lack of preparedness or their unwillingness or unreadiness to give has absolutely nothing to do with money. Nothing. It's everything to do with the condition of their hearts and the way that they have not submitted themselves first to God and second to their leader. And when you and I struggle about our willingness to give to other people and to God and to the church, it's got nothing to do with money. Money is just a symptom, but the disease is right here. Oh, that was a great spot for an amen. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. In a similar matter, manner, the way that we show generosity reflects our obedience to Christ and how we are growing in our faith. The times when you can be generous to someone who can do nothing for you in return Show your obedience as well as your transformation. It's only 34 degrees in here, so I'm sure we got, we got time for this, but I've got a few points just to go through. I'm going to, like, power through them. If you're taking notes, this is number one. But we're here to give because we have received great generosity. That's why. It's not because we're rich or because we're poor or because we have extra or because we have lack or because I had a bumper crop. No. We are generous because we have received generosity. Christ himself gave up the absolute glorious wealth 
he lowered himself to die as a poor slave between two thieves. And in his death, became exalted and was wealthy through the riches of God's grace. And for you and I as Christians, we must let that story sink very deep into our hearts. Because God never gives to us out of grudging obligation. He doesn't give and say, well, I'm doing this because I have to. Or I'm doing this because the angels are watching me and they know like, how much I actually have and how much I'm giving you. No. He is absolutely, undividedly, unequivocally generous because that's his nature. And so, as I said, to be generous, as the Bible tells us, has more to do with our attitudes than it does with an amount of money. It's about our willingness more than how much it is. Number two, the same measure we use for others will be used for us. I'll be honest, sometimes I like, I like using a teaspoon for others and a cup for myself, right? Like, I, I'll give you this much, but I need this much. Anyone else have a shortage of sugar in your house this week? Yes. <laughs> And, you know, I've, I've searched high and low and finally found some and then filled my container. And like a few days later, it was empty. And so we were having this conversation at home about the measure that you use when you're making your own tea should be the same as when you're making it for the guard outside. <laughs> That's funny. Come on, just laugh, laugh. Because sugar is a very precious resource and all the more so right now. I, I went to Chikwawa on Monday right to Inshallo, and I thought, I'm here. I'm going to find it. I'll bring a bale to Lilongwe. This is wonderful. And they were like, no, there's nothing here. You have to get it in Blantyre. That same measure that we use with others is what God is going to measure back to us. That which you sow, you shall reap. The thing you plant is what you're going to harvest. If I plant one hectare of maize, I expect to harvest one hectare of maize. If I don't get as much as I was expecting, I have either the rains to blame or perhaps someone else who is helping me, right? But that what I plant, I expect I'm going to get back. I grew up on one of those mega farms in Canada. So, you know, acres and acres of corn and beans like maize and soya. And every year, my grandfather, my uncles, my dad, they would plant 100 and not like 250 acres of maize and soya and receive maize and soya, right, in those amounts. The things that we do and the way that we extend ourselves to others is the way that we're going to receive back. I, I had a conversation, it's been a few years ago now, with some friends of ours who are not here today. Uh, but they did used to be in our growth group, and they were going through a lot of struggles financially, and they just couldn't get ahead, couldn't get ahead. And I, I always feel nervous talking about money. I think most of us do. It's kind of a bit sensitive. I said, well, like, how, how's it going with your, your giving and your tithing? And, and they said, well, we're not giving because we can't afford to. Oh, 
I mean, at that point, nothing more really needed to be said, right? If we expect God to bless us, we have to bless others. Because the finite resources that he puts in our hands can come and go, can come and go according to his will. And if you hold it according to your own will and your own agenda, that's how you're going to receive it again as well. We are never the loser when it comes to giving to God. We can't outgive him. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? All the resources belong to him, and you and I have a portion that he's entrusted us with. And it's through you and I that he wants to meet the needs of other people. I need you to understand today that these Corinthian believers were 3,000 kilometers away in Jerusalem. So these uh, Jewish Christians in Jerusalem had a great need that was being met by these Gentile Corinthians in Greece, 3,000 kilometers away. What is roughly 3,000 kilometers from Lilongwe? Nairobi? Would that be accurate? Addis? Shout it out! We may never get to that place where we see where our gift is going, but God doesn't require you to see the harvest from your sacrifice. What he requires is your sacrifice. Number three, we are here to give because our generosity reflects the maturity of your faith, of our faith. Verse seven, each of you should, have de- should give what you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is letting go of control. This act of obedience says, I have these loaves and these fish, and I need them, but I'm going to put them into your hands and see what you will do. Paul doesn't say, if, if you decide to give, if the conditions are good enough, if things seem like it's going to work out, if you have enough left over for yourself, he says, when you give, when you give. The act of giving is automatic, and it should be normal for all of us who follow him. I think we've all been in a church service where there has been a level of coercion around giving, right? So when I was a teenager is when I was born again. My parents were not Christians, and my grandmother used to take me to these, like, extreme charismatic churches. And, like, people would put their offering inside envelopes, and everybody would have to hold it up. So it's obvious who's holding something and who's sitting there with nothing, right? And the idea was whatever's in this envelope is what you're planting. That means that's, you know, you're going to get a harvest from what you plant. If you plant nothing, you get nothing. And just, you know, they would spend more time discussing the offering than they would actually talking about the sermon and the word of God. And that's coercion and manipulation. And if you spend time in those environments, you know what I'm talking about. Where they push you and push you and promise you and give you, you know, these extensions of glory. If only you give this amount. I don't want to hear coins. I only want to hear paper. Right? God loves a cheerful giver. And this is the only place in scripture where this word is used. Cheerful. Hilaros where we get hilarious from. 
God has given to us happily with great cheerfulness. And he would like us to respond in that same way because everything we have comes from him. In my previous life, I was a church administrator. And it was one of my favorite jobs. And if you didn't know, it's the most important job in the whole church. Just kidding, sort of. It's true. Okay, yeah, it is. It is true. So one of my responsibilities, the offering team would count on Sunday morning, and then I would come to the office on Monday, and I would take those envelopes, which are now empty, and the money's in the bank, and I would have to record how much each person gave. Woo! You know, I'd been in that church for a long time, so I knew everyone very well, and the people who I thought would be giving these amounts were actually giving these amounts. And the people who, who I assumed there's one person working, the other one stays home with the children, they're just kind of menial jobs, I thought they would be down here, and they're actually up here. And that was really a test for my own heart, because I could see what looked like from the outside to be, well, this person's an elder or a deacon or a board member. They must be just, you know, so generous, but actually the amounts were very low. And God doesn't require that our position equals massive amounts of money, but he does say it's not about equal gift, but equal sacrifice, equal sacrifice. So our, our lead pastor did not want to know anything about the giving. And, you know, I could sit in that office and stew a little bit, and I would say, well, it's a good thing you don't know about this because you do not want to know. I'm just saying, and he'd be like, it's okay, it's all God's money, this is his work, this is his ministry, and I'm just thankful for that time that I had to really soften more of the rough edges of my heart because of what I thought people should be doing. In the same way, we have some of us here today who think those ones should be giving more and these ones should give less. They have this type of a job, and these ones have no job. They have, they're paid in Forex. These ones are paid in, in local currency, right? And it's not about equal gift, but it's about equal sacrifice. And it's as well knowing that you yourself are making an equal sacrifice. We all know how much we can give, and it's comfortable, and how much we can give, and it's a sacrifice. Number four, we are here to give because we trust that what we have has been given to us by God. Verse 8, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Therefore, what we have can be used by him in our hands or in someone else's. I will confess to you today that I am one of those people who slides into the pastor's DMs when we do an outreach here. So we recently did one in January with the prison ministry, and we were all encouraged to bring food and clothing and other donations. And I'm, I'm apologizing, but I always come and I'm like, so, like, I would really like for you to tell me about how are you going to be stewarding these resources, and how do we know they're getting to the prisoners, and how are we sure that they're going to the right hands? And, you know, if you ever interact with Pastor Humphreys, you'll know he's always gracious and kind. And he just replies with something like, yes, we're working with the prison ministry. It's going to work out. 
And, and I'm like, well, okay, fine. But that's not trusting that what we've given is now released and it's God's business. Like if you actually give it and you try to control it after, you haven't given it. You've just put it somewhere you, where you still want to make sure the avenue is straight. I remember like maybe 2015, we did something similar with spoons at the prison ministry. And same thing. I was like, how do we know where those spoons are going to be? And, you know, at that time, our Pastor Sean was like, you just got to chill, bro. Like, you're doing too much, you know? Again, as we release our resources into the hands of others, it's God that we trust, not them. It's, and I'm not saying just give things anywhere and anyhow, no. But as we are giving and we've been diligent and we've been careful, we trust him that he's going to do with it what he wants. And when we give to those who have need, we also trust that our needs will be taken care of. Jeff and I are uh, missionaries, so we have to fundraise when we go to Canada. So every two years, we usually go. And uh, Jeff says, if he ever writes an autobiography, it's going to be called Azungu Bo. Like, it's funny because of being here in Malawi, but then when we go to Canada, it's like Azungu Bo. <laughs> it's us then saying it to, to do fundraising. Come on, it's funny on so many levels, right? Ma Mata's with me. <laughs> She's with me. So we go there, and we have to do our fundraising, and we report about the ministry and everything else. But God always calls us to this level of generosity that we have never experienced until that moment. And last year, he said very clearly, Renata, you should give up your salary for one month to send to Flood Zuzu. And I was like, ha! But you, know, but you know, I have these five children, and they're always hungry, and they're always growing. And Jeff has the spiritual gift of giving, and I don't. So it's, the, it's me who the Spirit talks to, because he knows he's already done his work within my husband. Hallelujah. And he'll, he, he was saying to me, no, like, this is what I would like from you in this season. And I was like, ah. So, of course, I, you know, I go to Jeff, and I say, I feel the Lord saying that we should give one month of my salary to Flodum Zuzu. And he's like, that's amazing. I would love to do that. And I'm like, ha, are we sure it's really the Lord, though? And I remember sharing with Pastor Humphreys, because again, like uh, when we had been talking about the Mzuzu church plant, there's a lot of need there. And how are we going to launch them if we don't do our part here, right? I don't have a debt in that amount now of my salary. And, and we didn't not feed the kids for a month. And, you know, we managed to pay our bills and whatever else. But that moment was a huge trust step for the two of us. Well, for me. Jeff was fine. So that when we give in these ways that maybe we have never given before, we trust our needs are going to be taken care of. Because at the end of the day, whether you are a billionaire or you're homeless on the streets, everything that you have has come from the hand of God. And how you take care of it and how you bless others with it, it all comes from him. That was a great spot for an amen, someone. Amen. All right, number five. We are here to give because we have 
everything we need to bless others. Verse 10 and 11 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Do not fall for the lie that says, when I have enough, then I can give. When I have a better job, I'll start giving. When I have finished building my house, I can start giving. When I've finished paying school fees for this one, I can start giving. It's a lie. Because, brother and sister, the, the amount of money doesn't matter. It's not about how much is in the bank, but it has everything to do with how obedient I am, how discipled I am, and how responsive I want to be to what the Spirit is saying. So we have to reject this mentality that says, I don't have enough to give. I don't have $25 million to do this limitless transformation. But that doesn't mean that I shouldn't do something. If you can do 5,000, then do 5,000. If you can do 500, do 500. If you can do a million, do a million. But all of us are capable of doing some effort towards it. I can't afford to give. You cannot afford, you can't afford not to give. You can't afford not to give. That's bad English, but I don't have a better translation for you today. The only way that you can receive blessing is to actually give. The scripture are full of examples of those who use resources well and are then given more, right? To whom much has been given, much is required. Freely you have received, so now freely give. We, we can almost be held captive, held prisoner by this idea that so-and-so doesn't need what I have, so I'm, I should keep it. You know, there, there are a lot of Christians in Ukraine who are suffering right now. We have, we're 725 days into the war. Churches being blasted, burnt down, believers gathering in small communities while Russia just plows them to the ground. And it's easy to say, well, that's Europe. At least they're better off. Palestine one of the oldest Christian communities in the world is being completely obliterated. The, the very place where the gospel first came, where the, Bethlehem is located in the West Bank. I don't know if you know that. So Jesus himself was born in that physical territory of Palestine. Don't argue with me about there was no Palestine then. I'm telling you that now Bethlehem is in Palestine, okay? And it's easy for us to say, well... Those people there have more money than I do, so let them do something. We can, ex we can generate excuses that are innumerable, immeasurable. And as we succumb to them, we find we're not giving, and then we're also not receiving. We're not being blessed. And you have something in your hands that you can bless others with. It doesn't even have to be money. Right? The way that we give can come across in so many other ways. I have a good friend who house sits for me if we go out of Lilongwe. Yeah, that's Tia. She's not giving me money, but she's blessing me in such an incredible way because she's looking after all of my dogs. 
we all have something to give. And I, this idea of I don't have enough, I don't have money, that's a mentality that as believers we have to reject. We have to put it aside because as we lay ourselves down at the cross, at the foot of the ultimate and greatest and most sacrifice, who are we to say we don't have something? When I was... Uh, in my 20s, I went to Kenya for one year to do the third year of my undergrad. So I was studying there at a school for pastors. And uh, we were encouraged, you know, as your friends are inviting you, go home to the village. Go home to their places and see how, how things are in rural areas. So I went with one friend of ours who lived right at the base of Mount Kenya in a rural area. And so Sunday morning, we're, we're enjoying the service. The offering is going around. It passes by me. Inside the offering basket were eggs. Eggs. A lady, like, within the, within the village had put eggs as her offering. And it has, it has stayed with me through all these years because that was my first time to ever see something given in a church offering that wasn't money. And one, and, and the second thing is she gave what she had. She had something that she knew could bless the pastor, and so she was giving it. And that was really powerful. And so I want you to move away from this idea, I can only give money and money is the only thing that matters. No. You have time, you have knowledge, you have expertise, you have kindness, you have love, you have compassion. You might have transport to share with people. There are so many things. Number six, second to the last. We are here to give because you and I need the prayers of those who will benefit from our generosity. Verse 12 saying, this service that you performed, it's not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God because of your obedience. Wow. I think sometimes when we're giving, we're only thinking about the fact that something is being taken from us rather than those people are now giving him praise which is our ultimate and highest and most important calling. I think every one of us has been blessed by someone and they've done something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves, right? And I'm sure, just like me, your prayers have been so genuine for that person. Your blessing over that person's life has been so significant. And it's because of what they did for you that you could then pray for them in that way. And I want to encourage you today that as you do those things for someone who can't do for themselves, they're also going to pray for you in a way that you can't pray for yourself. And we not only rob ourselves of this opportunity to give and receive, but also to hear from the Lord because of those people. I, I think my life has been spared. I think I've had my needs met. I think I've met the Holy Spirit in a closer way because of people praying for me. We need that. We need it. Lastly, number seven, we give because we are surrounded by great need. So here these Greek Corinthians, problematic ones, send their gift 3,000 kilometers away. And you and I have the need right in front of us, don't we? And I'm not talking about relatives or school fees or things that are immediate within your own family. I'm talking about other places around us, in our neighborhoods, close here to the church, 
close to where we work. The giving of these Corinthians, these, you know, Corinth is in Greece, and so they give to 3,000 miles away there in Israel. It crosses racial and it crosses national lines. And I think this is a growth area for our church that the giving we do here should also cross some of those barriers. We should also be looking for where we need to give that can really be impactful to people who can never say thank you to us. You know, I, I, I was missing our friend who's part of the hospitality team here. I haven't seen him for quite a while. And so I was asking Pastor Harry, where is he? I haven't seen him. Where is he? And he said, oh, he, he's gone back to the camp. There's a, there's a barrier that exists around that camp and within the hearts of many of us. And we, for you and I as Christians, as believers, as people who claim to follow Christ and use his word as our anchor and as our roadmap for this life, we have to cross those barriers. I know the issues are loaded and they're significant and there's so many nuances and diplomatic issues, and things I don't understand, and things you don't understand. But as these same troublesome, problematic, quarreling Corinthians can cross those barriers in order to give to a place that has need, we can do the same thing here. I know you're not going to say amen, but the Holy Spirit is going to work on this. He's already stirring it up. If we're always only giving and caring for ourselves and to ourselves, we also rob ourselves of a blessing. As people of faith, we have to look across these lines. We have to say there is no slave or free. There is no Jew or Gentile. There is no male or female. There is no Malawian or Congolese or Tanzanian or Kenyan or Canadian or American. But we are one in Christ. And everything that he has done for us shatters those barriers and allows us to open wide to generosity. You know, just to conclude, we have been treated so generously by God himself. And therefore, we must also be generous with others. I'm not saying life is easy and you have millions so you can just give it all away. But I'm but I am saying if you're not giving right now, you have to start. A great place would be here with your offering at church. Other efforts going on that you know about that you would like to respond to. We have the tendency to isolate ourselves and ignore the problems around us and insulate has to be broken in Christ. We are here to give. We're here to give. You know, we're not just here to receive. Bless me, care for me, enlarge my territory, help me. Let me be a blessing. Let me give. Let me enlarge someone's territory. Let me reach across barriers that maybe others aren't willing to do. I would like for you to stand going to sing together and maybe you need prayer today for something that we've talked about or something else that's completely unrelated we will have prayer counselors around
this room that you can take some time with. And as we sing, I, I am asking you to consider what is the Spirit saying to me about generosity? I am here to give, so how should I give? Let's sing together.